Section 55. Office 2000 is good to go. The biggest competition for Office 2000 was Office 97. Acknowledgement at the end of the project. Not only were we five months late by the end of 1998, we also faced the lag time that would happen on the other side of our pending holiday break. It became clear our end of February completion date for Office 9 was going to be a challenge. At least we were on a glide path to completing the product before we left for the holidays. As far as the enterprise sales team was concerned, we were going to finish in the first quarter, which was important for customers buying or renewing volume license contracts. Office 2000 was shaping up to be a significant release for the end of the millennium. And yes, Office 2000 was Y2K ready. As I prepared to head to Florida for a holiday vacation to see family, John Devon let me know that I was being promoted to corporate vice president. This was truly a big deal personally. And as I look back, I realize it was a big deal for the company. Along with Brian Valentine leading Exchange, a press release would go out announcing our promotions in about a week. The ranks of executives were small enough then that not only did we do press releases for promotions, but we became named officers in the company and the two latest additions from the product development teams. If you've ever been part of a rocket ship, what you experience is growth in executive promotions when you start to wonder if it is a worthy promotion or will people outside your immediate group kind of roll their eyes. Natalie Yount, the spiritual and cultural leader of the company and human resources, sent me an incredible note telling me how, quote, real the promotion was, which meant everything. These insecurities come with what does seem like one of the most significant milestones in a career and for me. I will always think of this time as the most significant, owing much to John Devon and all the apps people before him. While everything was the same organizationally, what was simply a title change in the exchange address book was the start of being treated differently, particularly by those I did not yet know, especially in the field sales org, and perhaps even more entertaining by the various Microsoft systems and services. In short order, Colleen Johnson, email Carl J, was being briefed on the exec travel desk, email alias EX travel, executive tech support, email alias exec sup. Yes, there was a special on-call PC and tech support for executives. Executive shuttle, sort of an Uber for VPs to go between buildings that I almost walked anyway. And even a special team that helps make PowerPoint slides for execs and so on. I knew these existed, but I thought they were for Bill, Steve, the CFO, and the board, not all the VPs. Oh, and my card key worked in all sorts of places it used to not work, like weekend access to the executive briefing center. I did have mixed feelings about special treatment for run-of-the-mill execs and product groups. The teams were all incredibly nice, but this felt like excess to me. Colleen was a major addition to our team who had an outsized impact on our operational excellence and culture. Hired as an administrative assistant when I first joined office program management, she quickly and quietly assumed the role of indirectly managing dozens of administrative and group assistants across the team, on average one for every 50 to 100 people, which was the front line of our cultural and careful management of resources. She also took on the role of formalizing all our headcount tracking, which was a key for how I would manage the team. A dumb example was instituting a code in our SAP-based system for what individuals worked on, Word, Excel, Office Shared, etc., and what functional group they were in, Dev, Test, Program Management. Amazingly, our systems did not track that, and yet it is all that mattered in managing a significant team. For decades, neither she nor I managed to coach other teams into managing this way, even after the yearly visits from teams being told to look at how we in office manage things. There's a lesson in there. You can't manage a big team at scale if you don't know what people are working on and how humans, not dollars, are allocated. 
Colleen also led our efforts at developing a more scalable office culture. Too much of Microsoft was acting like college when it came to team outings or operating like a fancy Wall Street bank when it came to using company resources for events. From figuring out how to get a huge discount at, on movies by renting out the theaters for morning shows and offering family-friendly and alternatives to current sci-fi releases to helping teams know about 250-day dollar and offsite locations, including a stop at Fred Meyer for snacks, instead of the $2,500 locations before the required hotel catering. Colleen instilled a broad sense of fiscal and cultural responsibility across the team of admins. She helped to create a whole class of events, such as our product vision meetings, the trade show, and especially our launch events. As the team grew, the trade show became a hallmark event where every member of the team had a chance to experience all the other teams building office as though we were at a trade show. Years later, Microsoft Research would adopt this format for what became the Microsoft Tech Fest event. The online version has a photo of the trade show with Colleen. As a VP, I quickly learned people I did not know would no longer email me directly. And even people I did know would soon also imply the level of indirection afforded by an executive assistant like Colleen. The Microsoft culture had developed an arm's length VP culture, where contacting a VP meant going to the exchange address book and looking up the direct reports of a VP to find their executive assistant to then contact about getting time with or what's the best way to email them. Exchange had a feature where you could offer direct access to an email account as a delegate. Suddenly, VPs were having admins screen email and even respond on their behalf. How quickly we became big. Along with helping people to email me directly, Colleen had to remind people of one other quirk of mine, which I insisted on, which was I managed my own calendar. I was hardcore about this because of what I had gone through in terms of the ripple effect of scheduling. A meeting was scheduled with an exec, the exec admin moves the meeting for something important, then everything dependent on that moves as well. Soon, the one person who needs to get out of the way, the VP, is the barrier to making progress as a routine course in business. I think I spent the rest of my years trying to hold on to a feeling of small and avoiding the distant feeling new hires, and we had hundreds every year, would have towards execs. I think I had varying degrees of success at doing so and certainly made my mistakes at trying. But with Colleen's help, I worked hard at that for my run, even as we scaled. The press release went out while I was on the way to Miami. I was expecting an uneventful time in Condo Haven, North Miami, a.k.a. Del Boca Vista. Working to avoid tourists in the city, I was reading the pre-holiday Miami Herald newspaper, scoping out a holiday movie to see. The paper contained a story of a tragedy at Disneyland in California. Anything to do with Disney received a great deal of attention in Florida and caught my eye having grown up in Orlando. A guest was seriously injured on a ride, though no fault of his own, and later reporting said he died on Christmas Eve. The first coverage did not have a victim's name, but soon details emerged. Almost at the same time as the story, an email arrived from Gene Shelton, email Gene S., who was leading word testing at the time, asking me to call her as soon as I could, which was not routine. Over the phone, I learned from Gene, the victim was a senior test manager on the Word team who, like me, also started at Microsoft in July 1989, though after emigrating first from Vietnam to attend university in Paris. His wife was also injured, though expected to recover. Their son escaped injury. Gene took it upon herself to craft a note that was to be my first email I would share as vice president to the entire division. The subject line read, sad news. Microsoft was still young enough that we didn't have in place the big company processes that eased these tragic situations. Much of the grieving happened in email over the holiday. 
It was an awful time for such an awful tragedy. I was starting to learn that at a certain scale, every kind of life experience, joyous and otherwise, would be part of our time. Microsoft had a few sad times before, and even some close to home in apps, but this was difficult in its own way. The online version has the Miami Herald story about the Disney tragedy from December 22nd, 1998. As we returned to work, the project was winding down and we were in bug fix mode, where only critical bug fixes were taken, meaning the most serious bugs were addressed with code changes. Despite being a team always worried about engineering productivity, we were in the phase of a major project where 2,000 people came to work every day and basically did nothing. If the measure of something was making changes to the product. Testers ran and reran tests. Developers investigated bugs and decided if the code change risk was greater than the risk of leaving a bug in there. Program management was fielding endless inbound requests for just one more thing or digging into one last potential oversight. Documentation and localization working on producing international releases. Lawyers were combing through marketing materials and documentation, and of course, adding more words to the end user license agreement, the EULA. We were all using the product as end users and testers on every computer we own. The biggest disappointment we were having about the new release was the lack of excitement within Microsoft. Whereas people were beating a path to the servers to install Office 97, we struggled to get Office 2000 deployed in large numbers across the company. This was, in reality, a sign of changing times. Broadly pushing, perhaps forcing, internal use prior to shipping was another cultural difference between apps and systems. The system's view was always hardcore. Hardcore about pushing internal use, sometimes even too early, and hardcore about not using competitive solutions. The first was enabled by the long endgame of shipping a systems product. For example, Exchange Platinum, which became Exchange 2000, which began use inside Microsoft in 1998, did not ship for almost two years. Steve B. even apologized in an all-company meeting one time for the bumpy Exchange pre-release. It was in beta for almost the entire Office 2000 product cycle. Competitively, systems often rooted out competitor products and made it a goal to remove them from use, like Oracle Server or later Google Search. The app's view was always a bit less aggressive. The time from product working until shipping was much shorter. There was less time when the product was usable by the typical employee, and by then, a typical Microsoft employee was not much different than a typical employee at most any large company. We always viewed the use of a competitive product as a failure on our part, but one to learn from, not to force away. If an individual or team wanted to use an alternative, then we would not object, but want to understand why. The biggest example at the time was the growing use of Adobe's PDF instead of using the native file formats that Bill G. had insisted upon. Our testing and release process did not rely on an extended period of internal testing or external beta tests. The nature of our products and processes enabled us to achieve a high level of quality, even during the maturing days of the PC. Perhaps this was misplaced confidence as there was little data to base this on, but we closely track support calls and enterprise customers to have a good feeling. In the next chapter, we will have an eye-opening experience when it comes to data informing these decisions. In the case of Office 2000, we were starting to see a sea change in Microsoft and the industry. Office was not the only place, or even a place, for excitement at the time. Browsers were really exciting. Consumers were really excited by new MP3 players and not laptops. Most of all, enterprise IT was not excited by anything that caused them work. Their cycles were being used to trying to stabilize internal infrastructure, convert legacy client server to the web, and prepare for Y2K. 
We were losing competitively, but to different competitors, not the alternatives to Office we feared. The biggest competitor to Office 2000 was Office 97. We were so heads down finishing Office 2000 that we didn't realize how well received and how good Office 97 was. Everything we announced at our Office 2000 Enterprise event in New York was solid, and the feedback from the beta was good, but we faced resistance to upgrade because it took work. While customers already owned and paid for Office 2000 with their multi-year agreements, the cost to deploy, the cost to change, support, labor, etc., had to be considered. To deploy Office 2000 or not was a major decision within IT. The sign-off for Office 2000 took place on a sunny April day in 1999. The product was eight months late from our original schedule we picked in March 1997. Unlike Office 97, however, the team was not frazzled, but a little tired. We faced the complexities of pulling everything together, but we improved the process and came together as a team. Still, an eight-month error is big on a 24-month schedule. We would conduct a detailed postmortem and make a series of changes. Colleen and the admin team commandeered the fountain area between buildings 16, 17, and 18. The makeshift stage and megaphone were ready. Continuing with the theme of a maturing culture, Colleen instituted limits on alcohol, and everything went smoothly except for a minor champagne incident inside building 17 and the atrium that the art committee was rather upset about. We grew up a little bit more on this ship day. Earlier in the day, we met in the ship room with one representative from each of the 20 or so teams. Going around the horn like mission control at Cape Kennedy, 1999 was the 30th anniversary of the moon landing, so space was everywhere. We proclaimed Office 2000, ready for the web, and good to go. The online version has a very sweet video of the ship room sign-off, including all the members of the team. I had missed signing off on Office 97, but this time as the VP of Office, I was going to get the special treatment, meaning I was going to get thrown in the fountain. To everyone's surprise, I came prepared, wearing a bright yellow rain suit and goggles to protect from flying corks. Colleen printed out a giant copy of the paperwork that went to manufacturing plant that duplicated DVDs, and we did a ceremonial sign-off with Bill G., who made a fast getaway to avoid the celebration. The traditional desktop application surplus air raid siren sounded, though technically illegal to set off in the city of Redmond, as was the desktop app's tradition for every ship party and sign-off. The next thing I remember was sitting in a fountain soaking wet. The events of the day were memorialized with a videotape, an actual cassette tape, which each member of the team later received, including a congratulations from Bill G. at the end after rolling the credits for the release. Almost 2,000 names scrolled by while the office assistant Powerpup looked on. Still always looking to save money, we didn't do any fancy credits. It was Word 2000 document that I scrolled using support for the new wheel mouse introduced in Office 97. The online version includes the Seattle Times coverage of the ship party, including me and the fountain. Our growing business with enterprise customers and the arrival of the internet introduced a new step in releasing the product. Enterprise customers would now begin deploying Office 2000 right away and would not have to wait for the retail arrival of boxes. We announced Office RTM for enterprise customers with a press release. In a few weeks, we would actually launch the product for the retail market with a global series of events. I was off to Japan. It wasn't just mission accomplished. It was my first mission as a general manager and executive, and it did feel different. Standing on the makeshift stage in my protective gear and signing off on the product, the first release of Office as a single team was an emotional product moment.